Well, well, well. Welcome to your favorite Thursday podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell. And I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you are listening to Legends of Sportsball, an educational celebration of useless jock knowledge. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special episode for you today, don't we, Scotty? Indeed we do. It is Guy Fox Day. November 5th was the gunpowder plot of 1605. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. Maybe. I remember. I remember. That's the view for Vendetta guy. I remember. <laughs> I remember, Guy Fox. I remember. It's the view for Vendetta not- guy. <laughs> guy Fox in the house. Yes. Okay. So we'll do the outline we got. We'll have the scoreboard stumper from Scotty. We've got a tie, our first ever tie for Tweet of the Week. Yes. Uh, We have a few notable jabronis. Um, We have this week's inductee, uh, former NFL quarterback Cordell Stewart. Um, We have no raging phoner this week. Uh, We don't want to call anybody. We don't like anyone. Yeah. Except for you, listeners. We're in our lair. Uh, confessional thoughts and prayers. Um, and then we'll um, mosey on out of here. Gonna get. Gonna get. All right. So hit us with that scoreboard stumper, Scotty. All right. The scoreboard stumper is as follows. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Steelers a lot today, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I want to know. Against what team did the did the Steelers get their first Super Bowl win? Was it the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Los Angeles Rams, or the Seattle Seahawks? The first time the Steelers ever won the Super Bowl. Yes, I think I know this. Ooh, but I guess I shouldn't say it. Um, maybe I'll give it a guess when we get there. Don't come gate crashing right now. <sighs> All right, so um. We do have a tie for Tweet of the Week. Um, I'll start with mine, I guess. It's um, on the heels of the Bengals beating the Tennessee football Titans 31-20 to last Sunday. Uh, at Cincinnati Bengals, a uh, Twitter account posted a photo of a beat-up Randy Marsh from South Park the greatest uh, dad in cartoon history. Don't yeah, well, yes, try indeed. to, don't at me. <laughs> he says, I didn't hear no bell. <laughs> and on the top it says, us coming into week eight. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was America. <laughs> I didn't hear no <laughs> bell. What did I do? What did I do? Um, the and, other tie. Oh, the other, the other half of the tie? Yeah, I the think. other half of the tie comes from uh, Avery Williamson. He is a former linebacker for the... New York football jets and uh, he was traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers and as soon as he found out he was in his full jets gear helmet uniform everything pads and then he stood on the uh, New York City sidewalk with with an umbrella putting it with his thumb out it says next stop Pittsburgh so he is clearly happy to get out of that situation <laughs> man the jets just can't find their way off of our podcast can they no <laughs> It's going to be a long year for them. I hope none of them ever catch wind of our show. <laughs> okay. Let, let the hate r- run through you. So the Jets and Bengals tie for the tweet of the week. Yeah, of course if, the Bengals would tie something. If that's not appropriate, I don't know what it is. Um, all right, we'll, we'll slide into the slide into the notable jabronis. Yeah. Um, Tucker Barnhart, my man, my Cincinnati Reds man, catcher, he won a 2020... 
Gold Glove. Um, just uh, yesterday was announced, right? Yeah. Okay, so in 60 games, he played in 38 games. <laughs> just just <laughs> over half the games he played. Um, he only had 98 official at-bats. Um, didn't even have 100 at-bats for the whole season, and he somehow qualifies for the gold glove. Honestly, it's not his fault that he's getting jabronized right here because I'm pretty sure he's just happy to get the award. But I also didn't think Shogo. Shogo was up for it in left field too, and I thought that was funny because uh, same thing. He, Much to Reds fans' um, disappointment, he didn't really play that much. Yeah, I, I also do remember uh, August 26th, there was a blog written about how the Reds need to move on from Tucker Barnhart, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. yeah, you need to go to Tyler Stevenson and Kirk Casale. Tyler Stevenson can rake it. I mean, yeah. Tucker's great with the pitchers for sure. He throws people out as well. He's, he is a gold glove catcher. Um, but, yeah, I would like to see them move on and do something else. Yes. All right, who's the next? Uh, Notable Dribroni. We're going to start off with Cam Newton. Um, so all the Patriots needed last week was to tie the game with a field goal. And Cam Newton figured out, uh, you know, not wash his hands before rushing the ball and fumbled it for a walk-off fumble. All you need to do was get down. They were within like the fifteen-yard line. Ending fumble. The, yeah, lose the game against the Bills, who Belichick's had their numbers. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they're called the Bills, because of Bill <laughs> Belichick. He literally owns them. <laughs> um, I hope then, that's not the case. <laughs> who's the next one? Our, our last jabroni uh, goes to Javon Wims. Uh, he was sure acting like a jabroni against the Saints on Sunday. Uh, after a play, he walked up to uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson and just started swinging on the guy without... He plays for the Bears. Javon Wims plays for the Bears. Okay, yeah, Wims from the Bears. And then Johnson for the uh, Saints. He just walks up and hits him. Just hauls it's off so and nails dumb. him. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's the dumbest thing. So he got suspended two games. Of course, he appealed it, which is why... It was like maybe maybe they don't got any footage. Yeah, it's like when you know, when they, when a guy fouls another guy and they put their hands up. It's like yeah, he did that. It's like when a politician was is like, I never said that. And you're yeah. like, oh really? Roll the beautiful bean footage. Yes, right. Um, okay, so yeah, Wims is on there as well. Um, so is that all the notable jabronis for this? That's, that's all. That's all it comes down to. Oh, yeah. Okay, so moving on to this week's. Legend of sports ball, Hall of Fame inductee, Cordell Stewart. Cordell Stewart was born in New Orleans, Louisiana on October 16, 1972, to Robert and Florence Stewart. Cordell grew up in Marrero, a suburb of New Orleans, where his father was a barber, house painter, and carpenter. Growing up was difficult for Stewart, who would lose his mother at age 11 uh, to liver cancer. Cordell would spend his free time helping his father in his various endeavors, as well as handling cooking, chores, and laundry on the home front. Stewart wouldn't pick up a football competitively until his junior year of high school. Undeterred by his late start, Cordell quickly demonstrated his talents in his first season, throwing for 
1,645 yards and 19 touchdowns. In his senior year, he would put on a more dynamic showing and a new option attack, throwing for 942 yards and 17 touchdowns, or running for 923 yards and 23 touchdowns. Yeah. Cordell would be named Louisiana's Most Valuable Player and New Orleans Player of the Year, making him one of the top prospects in the country. Didn't even play organized football till his junior year, yeah. and by the next year, he was regarded as the best football player in their entire state. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so Cordell would be accepted to a scholarship to play for the University of Colorado, where he would see limited playing time as a freshman. In his sophomore year, and now the starting quarterback, Cordell would throw for a school record 2,109 yards and tie a school record uh, with 12 touchdown passes. In his junior season, Stewart broke his own passing yards record with 2,229 yards and would play every game despite a fractured bone in his left hand. Cordell attributed his progression as quarterback to coach Rick Neuheisel, once saying, if I had him as a coach since my freshman year, I would have gone in the first round of the NFL draft. He taught me about coverages and gave me confidence. In his senior season, Cordell led the Colorado Buffaloes to an 11-1 record with a 41-24 win over Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl and MVP honors. Most reputably, in his senior year, Cordell would upset the Michigan Wolverines in what has been dubbed the Miracle in Michigan. Trailing 26-21 and with six seconds on the clock, Cordell heaved up a Hail Mary that traveled 70 yards through the air and was caught in the end zone by Michael Westbrook to end the game. At the top of the picture, Stewart with time. Let's it go. He's got three people down there. The ball's up in the air. Caught. Touchdown. Caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. Incredible. That was classic. Classic. With his college career to close, Cordell set his sights on playing quarterback in the NFL and would enter the 1995 draft. Though scouts advised him that he may go higher if he were open to playing other uh, skill positions. Stewart dismissed the input and would be selected 60th overall in the second round of the draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. At the close of training camp, Cordell was listed as the four-string quarterback and would sit out the first few weeks of the regular season like a healthy scratch. Coach Bill Cower then plugged Cordell into games as a triple threat option with Stewart playing quarterback, wide receiver, and running back. Thus, the new name of Slash was bestowed upon the rookie Stewart. Slash and the Steelers would make it all the way to the Super Bowl that season before being beaten by the favored Dallas Cowboys 27-17. Cordell would be used in the flex role more often in the following season, though sparingly at quarterback finishing with just 100 yards passing, though he rushing for five touchdowns. In the build-up to the 1997 season, Coach Cower made it clear that Slash would be the starting quarterback. Stewart proved up to the task, passing for 3,020 yards and 17 touchdowns while winning the AFC Central Division title. <laughs> the Central Division. The Steelers, would, <laughs> the, days. the Steelers would end their season in a loss to John Elway's Denver Broncos in the AFC Championship game. Uh, yeah, I mean, 3,020 yards doesn't seem like a lot now because of the way the game has changed. But at that time, that was a really good season for him. <laughs> yeah. That was really good. Um, 
1998-1999 seasons were both credible and memorable for Cordell, once punting the ball 42 yards in a broken play from the shotgun formation, adding another slash to his name. Slash put up good numbers statistically, but the Steelers would finish 7-9 in 1998 and 6-10 in 99. For the start of the 2000 season, Bill Cowher named Kent Graham as the starter, but the Steelers started 1-3, at which point Slash was tapped to start under center. Cordell led Pittsburgh to a 9-7 finish, narrowly missing the playoffs. Stewart had earned a starting rollback and would post a 13-3 record in 2001 before another loss in the AFC Championship game, though this time to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. That old hoodie. 2002 proved to be a rough start for Cordell and the Steelers. In a game game at home against the Cleveland Browns, Slash threw an interception into double coverage in the end zone. (laughs) The lack of judgment was unforgivable. Cordell was replaced by increasingly popular backup Tommy Maddox for the rest of the year. Though he did start two games while Maddox was injured, Cordell was released at the end of the season. Slash would be signed by the Chicago Bears in 2003 and named as their starter, though he would post poor outings and replaced by Chris Chandler, who would be replaced by Rex Grossman. In 2004, Cordell would be signed by the Baltimore Ravens, but he would never throw a pass in a regular season game. Instead, he filled in as a backup punter for Dave Zastudil, earning NFL Special Teams Player of the Week punting five times for 177 yards. Man, how many quarterbacks do you know have a receiving touchdown at wide receiver, a five rushing touchdowns in the season, but is also one special teams player of the week, not as a kick returner, but as a punter. Slash would retire following the 2005 season after just 10 years in the league. Cordell Stewart can still be seen in appearances on ESPN as a college football and pro football analyst. Outside football, Slash is an avid golfer, posting a nine handicap. Nice golf game. You know, as a kid, you were the one who pointed out that Cordell punted the ball 40 yards. And I think it was against the Bengals. And I was like, nuh And you, you were like, uh-huh. uh-huh. But, you know, like I was, what, I think I was like 10 years old. A little guy, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I, I always liked how, you know, despite... You know, being a Bengals fan, growing up a Bengals fan, you you grow up hating the Steelers. The one thing I did like about the Cower era was how he would take athletes. You know, he would bring in guys who in college had played a lot of different positions. He would draft Antoine Randall L. Cordell Stewart. um, Heinz Ward played running back, quarterback, and wide receiver in college. Um, And, you know, he proved that he, he was like almost like the opposite of the Raiders. The Raiders were just like, at that time, like, let's just get the fast player available. Steelers were like, let's just get the best athlete available, you know? Like, if Bill Cowher was still in the league, he would have taken Lamar Jackson. Yeah. He would have taken Kyler Murray <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that. He was always taking the best athletes. So, yeah. um, so I'll, give him, I'll give him his uh, props for that. Um, so, yeah. Congratulations, Cordell Stewart, our latest inductee into the Legends of Sports Ball Hall of Fame. All right, so let's get uh, the results to the scoreboard stumper, please. Results to the scoreboard stumper. I wanted to know uh, against what team did the Steelers win their first Super Bowl? Was it the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Los Angeles Rams, or the Seattle Seahawks? It was the Cowboys, right? 
No? No, sir. Who was it? It was the um, Minnesota Vikings. They had Fran Tarkenton. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, Super Bowl six in 1975. 1975. Before my time. Yep. All right. So confessional thoughts and prayers. Um, I guess we'll start with our prayers. Uh, Reds free agency. Uh, Trevor Bauer uh, just rejected the initial offer put out there by the Cincinnati Reds front office. Um, there's still a chance he could come back here. Apparently his agent says he still wants to test the market. So we're praying that we get Bauer back. Also hearing rumors that Didi Gregorius, who we lost in the Shinsu Chu trade, many years ago uh, could be on his way back to Cincinnati as well. Those rumors were circulating last year. They never came to fruition, but would love to see D.D. Gregorius in a Cincinnati Reds uniform. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to have to make a higher offer for Bauer to want to play here. He's, yeah. he's, 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 he's proven to just be a monster. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Have they given out the Cy Young Awards? Like, no. Is he, he's oh. in the final, finals with three. Yeah, he's one of the three finalists. I mean... I don't think it was announced yet. Well, fun fact, if he wins the Cy Young, he will be the first Cincinnati Reds player ever to, to win, win the, the Cy, Cy Young. Award. Yeah. yeah. Much deserved though. I mean, he definitely deserves to get it. If you put it if you look at his statistics this season, Trevor Bauer was the National League's best starting pitcher. Yeah. Okay, so um anything else for confessional thoughts and prayers? No confessional I've been good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, God. I'm good. Yeah. Clear eyes, open hearts. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and check out our other episodes available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, and more. Tune in next Thursday. Our next inductee is Alex Karras. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at L Sportsball. That's at the letter L Sportsball. Thank you once again for listening to Legends of Sportsball. May the sports be with you. Always. Oh,